Welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Look in his eyes, it burns right through you Like the fuel to wildfire But you put on a show so they can't see through The secrets you learn to hide You know that love shouldn't hurt But sometimes just easier to look perfect on the surface with tear-filled eyes and broken smiles nowhere to run nowhere to hide so alone but in your mind you're not the only girl out there who's living Sometimes you wonder why you listen to the voices inside your mind That have convinced you you're worth it, scripted from the outside You know that love shouldn't hurt But sometimes To look perfect on the surface With tear-filled eyes and broken smiles Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide So alone but in your mind You're not the only girl out there Who's living on prayers and little
Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was Olivia DePonte with White Lies. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Hello. Doing good. I like that song. Really simple. I like, um, it's pretty much just, you know, acoustic guitar and, and, and vocal, you know, and very sweet. Reminds me of something. I don't know what. Everything reminds me of something. I know. I think it's um. I, th- I think the vocal, the way it was setting on the track. I think it's uh, interesting, and I think she's like. There was a little bit of drama involved. I mean, I was kind of, I was captured by the sound of her voice, so I was listening to every line and waiting on the next line. Right. So. You know what I've always wondered about singing. This is something I thought about. You know, being a singer myself, and like when I perform. Am I really singing the song or am I just singing the rehearsed words? You know, sometimes I wonder. Well, I think you can hear it. I mean, that that's that's kind of what I was trying to describe, the idea that, you know, if the phrasing is right and if the quality of your vocal is such that it's pleasing to listen to, then, you know, if the phrasing is such that it's like communication, then I'm wanting to hear the next line. What what are you trying to say to me? You know, and that kind of thing. And I, well, I'm I wondering. Think, go ahead. Well, I, I think when people sing and they're thinking about whether or not the cable bill got paid, I think you can hear it sometimes. You but know? I wonder, so, like you know, but I wonder, like when I'm like in the studio, I, I think of times I've recorded, you know, albums and stuff. Like when I did vocals, am I really? poignantly singing these words I've written or am I just like making sure I'm, I'm phrasing it right and, and and are they really are they just like these syllables that I'm like I've structured in a way that I'm just singing them correctly so it fits the and I just do it right but I really but I'm really thinking about these words I'm saying I wonder yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, Sometimes I don't think I am. I'm just like, I'm too busy making sure I'm singing it right. Am I really paying attention to what I've written? You know, yeah, or, you or, know or what, hope, what you're trying to say. Yeah, right, I, and maybe that is part of the problem. Maybe that's an, a thing that, you know, you intuitively do or don't do, and maybe that can somehow be sensed. Yeah. You know, yeah. by the listener. I was uh, uh, reading an article recently about Grace Slick and, they kept talking about, you know, her enigmatic, you know, wonderful uh, voice. And right. I never thought she was a very good singer. Really? Uh, but I think that she knew her way around around writing a song. And I also, she had that quality where when she sang a line, I wanted to hear the next line. I wanted I wanted to be taken on the, the journey, so to speak. Uh, right. But I, I think that's kind of rare that somebody can do that and have their vocal not be very, uh, or have their vocal be pitchy, right? So I don't think she's a great singer. No, uh, did did you? Well, I, I like it. I, I ever thought I like the personality in her. You know, voice. White Rabbit. You know, somebody to love. You know, those yeah. those great records and her voice. She was those yeah. are her. She sang them and just how I know them and I just like them. So, you yeah. know. Well, she had that weird vibrato. <laughs> well, a new thing, I, I say, a new, a new thing I've been doing too. I've been, um, I don't know, I've become, I guess I'm getting sappy in my older age. <laughs> I'm watching, I'm watching all these AGTs and Britain's Got Talent, little, little, little. Are you re watching older seasons or like the new ones? Older ones, the clips I'm seeing on Facebook and stuff or whatever. And, uh, and some of them are so 
poignant, like, because the, the kid's mother has cancer and she's 11 and whatever. But what I'm saying is, like, these people come out there and these people can sing. Like, they can mm-hmm. s- sing. Like, I'm not a singer. I Like, John Lennon can't sing. Like, David Bowie right. can't sing. Right. Elton right, John right. doesn't sing. These right. guys sing. Like, they hold notes and they have, like, they, whoa. It's, it's, it's crazy what they do. And it's emotional. And, like, it's, I go, holy cow. Like, so why have these people, like, why is uh, so often, like, the really talented people don't get famous, but these lesser talented people, what is it that makes, like, Bruce Springsteen can't sing. Right. Really. Right, right. But he's, like, iconic. I think I think these the songs, I think, kind of catch lightning in a bottle. And the songs are saying things that people uh, relate to and want to hear. So most of pop music for the last 100 years has not been rendered by people that are classical singers it's just been rendered by people in that kind of rock pop you know i used to fight my mother all the time when, we were, when i was younger i think i've said this before where she wasn't really that supportive about the music stuff and i remember like when i was like a teenager i'd go what are you doing like, well, i want to be in a band and and sing and she goes well call you play the guitar but you're not a singer <laughs> i said and I said, well, wow, is Elton John a singer? He's doing it. And then she's like, yeah, but you're not really a singer. And I used to fight with her. And now I'm looking back. You know, Mom, you're right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm not yeah. a singer. I'm I'm, I'm going to be a stylist. I have a way of, like, getting my words across over music, like I was saying. But like, And it, it's fine. But, yeah. You're not like a classically like, trained nah, these, singer. These, these guys are singers, man. You know, I mean, you know, like. I don't know. Well, if you want to hear singers, you know, basically you're resigned to, you know, listening Broadway. to, <laughs> you know, Lawrence Welk show or something. I mean, it's like or opera pop pop music well, well, is just well, who's a right, great pop? Is there, is there are there any great pop singers? Like is Celine Dion is maybe Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston maybe right? She was yeah, a great well, Whitney I mean, Houston, are- uh, uh, Jennifer uh, Hudson is that her name? Yeah, yeah, Jennifer Hudson. She's extraordinary. The chick has got the TV show. She was Idol the first year. What's Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, Kelly Clark. She can sing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, those are they. I think they Annie Lennox. Like we think Annie Lennox could sing. I think. Mm, um, was Freddie Mercury a singer? I think. It, I think Adele. I think Freddie Mercury yeah, Adele. was considered Adele, de- be, Adele definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Freddie Mercury was considered to have like such range that it certainly didn't for me for my ear. It didn't meet a uh an operatic standard right. but i think he would have loved to be able to do that is uh, uh dylan <laughs> dylan would be a no how about neil how about neil young man i love neil his young voice. would be a no, a no. But, but i still <laughs> right. love his voice though it's like anyway and that's my I, two cents today, i don't know but- i i can't think of anybody in the last 30 or 40 years that sings like a classically trained singer that uh, has actually made pop records. I mean, Michael Bublé. <laughs> I was just going to say Michael Bublé, maybe, but uh, that's just well. That's okay, for that matter. For that matter. What about Josh Groban? Well, yeah, he he could sing. Well, he's, a, he's an amazing singer, but I don't know what kind of pop star. Now, he let, is, now, 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 I'll touch some sacred ground. Mm-hmm. So then, was Sinatra really a singer? Ooh. Everybody always talks about Sinatra's phrasing versus his singing. And his tone, yeah. but is he really a singer? I, I think he what he wanted to be, but of course, you know, one of my idols 
for many, many years has been Jack Jones. And Sinatra right. actually said that Jack Jones was a singer, the best singer he'd ever heard. And you know and- who I, you know, um, who I can't stand and I don't get, what's his name? Um, I left Fine my stand. heart in, in, in San Francisco. What's his name? Oh, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. I think Tony, Tony Bennett had a beautiful voice back in the 50s and 60s, but. Isn't he the one that like partnered with Lady Gaga or something yeah, like that? Yeah, just, they've done a bunch of stuff His together. son I mean, took over his career about 20 years ago and kind of made him current again. You got to give his son credit for reviving his career and making him true. like. Well, he was, a, he was a great jazz singer for 40 or 50 years. So you yeah, got to give it to him. Mel you know? Torme. Torme was more of a writer than a singer, but. He was he was certainly a performer in that in that genre, you know, that kind of crooner genre. Thinking about it, like what you were saying on how there really hasn't been like a staple singer. I think it's because it's not necessarily about the singing anymore. It's about the performance and how many followers you have. How many how many followers <laughs> you have? But also like your performance and how good you look and how much money the record label can make from you. So if you don't look good <laughs> and you can't perform and you can't bring in an audience, I don't think record labels really looked at like true quality singers as money makers and they probably got passed over. Well, there's a there's a lot of great singers that we haven't mentioned. You know, Leanne Rhymes was an amazing singer, still is. Emily West is an amazing singer. Okay, the ultimate. I have my thoughts on this. Elvis. That's true. What's about Elvis? Elvis. Well, Elvis. Was he, a uh, he was kind of a hybrid because he he fancied himself a big singer, but most of his records early on were these real little squashed down rockabilly type records where they put <laughs> right, slap right, on right. the vocal, and you know that's how you do it. I mean, later in life, he tried to do you know American Trilogy and. Right, glory, hallelujah, yeah, all, all these stuff, right? I, was, I love that stuff things, but glory. Have you seen the movie yet? By the way, no, Not I want you know, to. Parents, man, everybody is going crazy on it. Yeah. Well, he, he's going to get a resurgence. It's about time, you know. This is my feeling. So many acts in rock, they wouldn't make it today. The Beatles, if they took the Beatles from '64 and planted them today, they would pale. They wouldn't make right. it. If you take so many bands, like even Nirvana or Bowie. When they first started, and you put them today, they probably wouldn't make it. Right, I agree with Elvis that. would would make it. El- if you took Elvis nineteen fifty five Elvis fifty six Elvis and just took them and plopped them today, exactly the same thing, he'd make it all over. I again. agree. I think it's he possible. just had this. I think it's possible. I, no, he's. I can't he's believe the I'm agreeing like, to that, but I, I, I think it's possible. Because the Beatles, like their early stuff is, you know, their, their stage presence right now is boring. The suits, the haircuts. Back then it might have been cutting edge, but now it's lame. Mm-hmm. But Elvis, right now, the way he looked in 56, you plop him in right now, he'd, he'd, he'd do it Especially all over again. the sound and, and, just, and the tunes and, the and everything. Yeah. He just has that. I think he was truly like, there's a funny thing where I read an article about, you know, Colonel Tom Parker's manager. And a lot of times after Elvis died, a lot of people said, because Tom Parker, they think he was an illegal alien and couldn't leave the country. That's why Elvis never toured outside of the United States. And he made a lot of bad deals for him, supposedly, where the stupid Vegas deal and the movie deals, all this kind of stuff. So after Elvis died, one one like paper says to, you know, interviewer says to Tom Parker, you know, um, 
you know, you really kind of mismanaged Elvis. You know, I think he could have done a lot more. <laughs> Tom Parker says, well, next to Jesus Christ and Mickey Mouse, he's the biggest thing on the frigging planet. So I guess I did okay. <laughs> I, have, I have said. And he's right. I have said that, you know, if, if the planet is lucky enough to survive another 500 years, I think it's entirely possible that Elvis is a deity 500 years from now. Oh, you think that'll happen? When you consider all of the Elvis stuff that's out and his ability to, you know, hold people's attention for how long has he been dead? 30 years, 40 years? 76 he died. Yeah, 76? So almost, almost 50. Yeah. Yeah, almost 50 years. And people make a pilgrimage to Graceland. I think, you know, a few hundred years from now, we may be bowing towards Memphis and <laughs> <laughs> I remember it's funny when Elvis died, you know, they asked a lot of famous stars to say something about Elvis passing, right? So they asked everybody, everybody was really kind of like, you know, nice and, you know, you know, making nice remarks. They asked Lennon and Lennon said, Elvis died when he went to the army. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He said, I don't know about you, but Elvis died when he went to the army. So he's been dead for already 20 years. Did you ever go to Graceland? Oh, yeah. I went twice. I went once in the early 80s, and it was just not good. It was weird. It goes to show you wealth has nothing to do with like, you got to remember, he was he was like a kind of, I don't want to say ignorant, but he was a not well-schooled no. Southern poor he kid. He certainly had no taste, you know? right? Yeah. So And, and, and so then you and also you give him a lot of money. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look at this, yeah. the way that place is set up. It's But I remember it not being air-conditioned, and I remember waiting in line to get in, and then as you were walking through the rooms that were roped off, they had, right. I, I couldn't believe this, they had flypaper strips, like hundreds of them everywhere, because it wasn't air-conditioned, so you were the doors and windows were open, and it was the dead of summer, and just bizarre, really surreal to like see flypaper strips, you know, hanging over a, you know, a, a gold lame piano or whatever. <laughs> you, you, know? You, know, you know, it's weird about those places too. So I went there, I remember seeing, and this happened to me when I went to Abbey Road as well, you know, because like when you walk the street, you know, because you see these pictures and it looks so iconic. Right. And I see pictures of Graceland that seem so iconic and you see it. And it's small. It's like this little house. It's small. It's this yeah, little yeah, yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, I remember when I went to Abbey Road, it's like this It's this side road. It's like some little road where you cross the street. It's no big, iconic thing. Matter of fact, you know, it's like, and, and the cars kept coming. So it's like. <laughs> it just ruined my experience. Well, it's, it's not like, I don't know what I expected to see, but it's like just some little road. It's like, you know. It's nothing special. I had that. Just- I had that experience uh, the first time I went to Manhattan. You know, I mean, as a kid growing up in in, in the in kind of the mid South, you know, I had never been to New York City, and so when I went for the first time, I was completely shocked at how small it is. It's actually it's a ton of stuff. It's a ton of stuff but, yeah, packed score- into a little space. Yeah, you know? but I mean, the the sheer size of the buildings are pretty amazing. Yeah, it's just, it seemed like, it's it's a very small landmass, but there's just a zillion things plotted on it. Do you want to listen to another song by Olivia? Okay, let's do yeah. that. I like the name Olivia, by I the way. I know. 
So we are going to listen to another song by Olivia. But before we do that, we are actually going to hear from our sponsor tonight, which is 9420 Crowdfund. And once we hear that, we will hear Olivia's next single, which is Burning Away. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by 9420 Crowdfund. 9420 Crowdfund, the premier crowdfunding platform for indie music artists. Get the best elements of crowdfunding without all the hassle. To learn more, go to 9420crowdfund.com. Again, that is 9420crowdfund.com. It's fine by me 
No, I like that song, but you know what I wouldn't have done? I wouldn't have played that last chord. You would have just left it at burning away. Right. I wouldn't have. The, the well, that's easy. That's an that. easy mix, right? Well, that's <laughs> not my, to, up to me to mix, but. I'll tell you one thing. That's a ballsy tempo. Man, songs that are that slow are very, very difficult to pull off in the studio, but I, they did a good job. But I knew what you say about like, you know, when you have that much space from line to line mm. in the beginning, like you got to say the line in a certain way that you want to hear what she's yeah. saying yep. next. So, because you could easily say, okay, turn this off, yep. you know? So she, I think she, I like yeah, they did, she uh, it. Yeah, they did a fine job on it because you, you, you try to accomplish something at that tempo. If you're not right. reasonably leaning in or, or pulling back, it gets boring real quick, but that wasn't boring. No. Not at all. She kind of kept you guessing a little bit where yeah. she was going to go vocally. Right, right. Yeah. So we well, spoke hold on. I have a right? bone to pick with Greg. No. Are you picking bones? No. Yes. Yes. What? Ever since. Uh-oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a what bone have? to pick with Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Is that my, uh, that's my theme music? Uh, right. I what, guess, go ahead. What, ever what ever since Cole. you talked about poison. I have mm -hmm. been getting nonstop Facebook ads about it. And of course, my feed is filled with Brett Michaels and his little incident that he had in his at his Nashville show. And it's just it's laughable because we were just talking about it and now it fills my Facebook feed. So I blame you. Are you suggesting that uh, there, we're being uh, monitored? Our oh. conversations are being monitored 100%. and now your Facebook feed is? A hundred percent. Yes. Well, Nicole, I don't know what to tell you other than uh, we're all being, uh, we, we have no privacy. I know. And maybe all that video and all those posts, maybe you'll be able to determine whether or not, Brett, that hair is attached to those bandanas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we can go on. Did we talk we to did. Uh, Olivia? We asked her our questions of the week. Professional podcast music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first question that we asked her is to tell us a little bit about herself. Hi, y'all. My name is Olivia DePonte, and I'm a country singer-songwriter based out of New York City. I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee, so I grew up going over to Nashville and was inspired by all of the country music in the area, which influenced my style as an artist and a songwriter and also made me want to pursue music as more than just a hobby. So I started playing guitar and singing in middle school and high school, and eventually started writing my own songs when I was 18. I recorded and released my first EP, Timekeeper, about a year later, and then spent most of the pandemic writing as much as possible, during which I wrote the two singles that I released last year, one called Burning Away and the other White Lies. 
before I moved up to New York, I lived in Nashville for a little bit and played in a bunch of writers' rounds, some on Broadway and other local venues. And this led me to meet a ton of great songwriters that I was lucky to share the stage with. Really excited to explore the music scene up here in New York as well. Outside of music, I love being with family and friends, and especially my two dogs. I love to travel, and I've recently been trying to become a runner, so we will see how that goes. See, I find that, you know, that's cool, but I find that very strange, like, you know, she did the reverse. Yeah. Who, like, was born in Tennessee, goes to Nashville to start to being a country singer, and then moves to New York. But that, you know what, though? I think that could there could be something to that, because she's, she mentioned that she played on Broadway, and I think that New York City is not far enough away from Broadway if you want to be a, an artist of consequence. She didn't mean Broadway New York. She meant, she meant yeah, Broadway, she meant Broadway Nashville. Nashville. That's what I'm saying. She oh, okay. needs to get as okay. far away from Broadway and Nashville as humanly possible because that. See, I would have went to Austin if I was that age. And if I was in Nashville, I probably would have went Is to Austin. Is there any country scene whatsoever in yeah, New York? Yeah, a little bit, I think. I don't know about you, but I don't, you know, from these two songs, she's not overtly country to me. No. She's more just alternative no, but singer, songwriter, yeah. acoustic. She's probably you know, identifying with the songwriting aspect of it, right? And maybe that's right. why she moved to New York. She- probably. <laughs> you know, but 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 I live here and I know there's there's like no scene here now. Where do you play? There's the bitter end and a couple little dumpy places, and there's no real New York scene anymore the way there used to be. You know, you can play the Rockwood and there's a you know Do you think but- that will ever change? I mean, I, I would hope so. It'll, it'll go back to clubs again, and no, because I think you know, you know what it comes down to. I think rent. Oh, that's true. People can't afford to rent these spaces in Manhattan, you know, anymore. That's why they're always in the the the, the lower. You're east saying side you're saying that that people that are singers and songwriters and artists can't rent. Therefore, no, no, no. I'm saying the clubs, the clubs can't, can't afford, afford to. Rent. to can't afford to be in business, so they're losing their leases and and and. Or, or if they do have it, they have to like have big coverage well, that's, charges. Well, that's part of like, the problem associated with Nashville is that we've got all this corporate money and overly cash-rich artists from 15 or 20 years ago. They're owning the bars and indie bars where somebody like Olivia would play. They don't exist anymore. They're being priced out of the market. We have that issue. So what's the next? Uh, did we, we ask did. We asked else? another question, and it is, what music artists have influenced your career so far? I grew up playing and singing a lot of 70s music during my guitar lessons. Artists like James Taylor, Neil Young, Carole King. So their singer-songwriter style, I think, sparked my initial desire to perform and share music and also shaped my writing a little bit as well. And then I've also always been inspired by the women in country music. Starting out when I was younger, it was Taylor Swift and Dolly Parton, and now artists like Kelsey Ballerini and Maren Morris, who have all persevered through such a challenging industry, especially as females in the country music industry. Um, And in the same vein, more recently, I've been inspired by artists who I share the stage with, who are also persevering through the industry. Uh, There's just something about sitting on stage during a writer's round, while other artists play where you almost become like an audience member and really get a unique perspective of their music and what they're trying to say. So I think moments like that are moments that continue to inspire my music career every day. Very cool. I like that. You know yeah, what? I, I like that response. I hate to, I, you know, but I'll, I'll admit something, you know, I'll just admit what a jerk I am. 
<laughs> when I used to do writers, when I used to do writers rounds, I'm just being honest, you know, and I'm sitting there, I used to have my little, my pose, right? I keep my guitar in my lap and my, where I would sit and like, and you'd and act like, like you're listening pain. for the audience, really listening. And I keep a great face. I'd smile. <laughs> I'm supposed to, and look like I, I could care less, man. I, 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 could, I could give a shit about uh, what they're doing. I believe Most that Olivia could, is digging, being on stage with those people. <laughs> I believe Carl is uh, like, oh my word! I can't believe you said this. I'm just being. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Well, I could care less. I'd be sitting there smiling and like, and then they play and they and on them going like, clapping. It like, sounds like a great career. topic for our new podcast. I'm going to cut this out. Yeah. No, I'm not cutting this out. If anything, I once said about me. You know, when I, on my, on my little, you know, epitaph or my <laughs> gravestone, here lies Carl. He was an asshole, but he tried hard not to be full of shit. You know, so. That's a great and that's true. gravestone. Well, now listeners should know, actually, I, I can, I can let listeners know that you, you are easily annoyed uh, and you will rant, but you are not unkind. You're one of the most kind people I've ever met. So I, I just hate below. I hate below. You, you are hate, not you hate, unkind. You hate fake, and you hate when people don't do what they say they're supposed to do. I don't know. So let's before we go. Don't we have? Don't we have to pay we homage do. to we our? We have to pay uh, homage to our unofficial official sponsor, Bongo Java. <laughs> One of these days, one of these days, we're going to get a cease and desist. And and you know what? Here's the announcement. When we get the cease and desist, we'll know that people are listening more. Yes. Right. So, you know what? You know, we know since we're doing unofficial, why don't we raise our our sights a little higher than Marco (laughs) Chop? Why don't we do like, you know, like um, Coca-Cola or Uh, something or McDonald's if we're going to be just, you know, now from our sponsor. Now uh, from our sponsor, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Oh, goodness. Don't open up that can of worms. That can of chicken. So let's hear hear from them and then we'll get us out of here. This episode is officially, unofficially sponsored by Bongo Java. Bongo Java, the birthplace of the 9420 podcast. While Bongo Java got its start a year earlier than 9420 in 1993, in 1994, Carl and Greg's relationship got started. And in 2020, Carl and Greg visited Bongo Java to create this podcast that you listen to. For more information on Bongo Java, go to bongojava.com. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. 